Hey, beer lovers, welcome to the Brews Less Traveled podcast in Beer Club. Today's episode was so much fun. We spoke with Brad Wilson, the co-owner and head of marketing and sales at Back 40 Beer Co. Turns out Brad and I have a ton in common, not just when it comes to our love of craft beer, but also music as well. I had a blast talking with him and we tasted two of their delicious beers, the Naked Pig Pale Ale, as well as the Truck Stop Honey Brown Ale. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. I hope you guys have as much fun listening to it as I did recording it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Brews Less Traveled podcast and beer club. I am your craft beer loving host, Molly Lamb. We are back in Birmingham today. I have a new co-host with me today, Tim. Tim is a longtime beer enthusiast, which includes home brewing, beer dinner tastings, and of course, beer education and advocacy. Tim is working to obtain a Cicerone certification to further his knowledge of beer and how to best educate additional populations. He has been working at Unboxed Experiences for over a year, providing beer and cheese expertise and live home brewing classes. Tim, how are you? You want to say hello? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I'm really, really excited. I've been pumped to have you. You were my first person I ever hosted with. We did the Cinco de Mayo event, which who could forget that? It was uh, awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Glad to be back again. The dynamic duo here. I know we got a good lineup and uh, definitely a good night for a beer. So. <laughs> And we have a great guest today, Brad Wilson, the co-owner and director of sales and marketing at Back 40 Beer Co. in Birmingham, Alabama. We're going to be drinking their Naked Pig Pale Ale in their truck stop Honey Brown Ale. And I am so excited because I always say that brown ales are a beer style I do not see on the menu enough. And I think it's like a marketing thing. I think brown just it's not a sexy color. You know, people just like, they don't want to drink a brown ale. They want to drink like a hazy, like something like that sounds great. But uh, brown ales are one of my favorite beer styles. So I'm super pumped for this. All right, Tim, you want to go ahead and open a beer? I say we opened the uh, Naked Pig Pale Ale first. Love that sound. I'm going to do a nice slow pour here. And so you guys probably remember last week, our guest, David Karn, was drinking the Naked Pig Pale Ale from Back 40. This is a beautiful color. Yeah, no, absolutely. This looks great. Cheers, Tim. Cheers, Molly. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Cheers to all of our beer club members. I'm a weird beer smeller, as everyone knows. I get a little honey right on the nose. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, you definitely get a little bit of tropical in there, too. Totally tropical. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm I'm just excited uh, to be back drinking some some, some more craft beers. I actually just got back from my honeymoon in St. Lucia. And, uh, you know, the Caribbean is known for its beaches, its clear water, uh, not known for their beer, unfortunately. So uh, (laughs) I spent two weeks there drinking not the best. So just being back stateside. Uh, being back on something that's a little bit higher quality, I am a very happy man. So yeah, this this yeah. Pale Ale is doing really great. <laughs> so Tim, you got so you guys, y'all know Julie had to fill in last week, which obviously always thrilled to have Julie chime in because she's such a beer expert. It was so much fun to get to hang out with her again. But yeah, Tim, you were trapped yeah in St. Lucia in the Caribbean, so it wasn't like a terrible place to be trapped. But you were stuck in a room 
for like two weeks with only Heineken. Yes. Yeah. Rain so. bottles, people. What what <laughs> what does beer do? Not- <laughs> what, what happens when there are green bottles? It gets skunked. Oh my god! So, but you, your marriage survived that. I feel like y'all could survive anything. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was a a tough test for the first uh, two weeks of our marriage, being stuck in. Unfortunately, my wife uh, tested positive. Coming back, we had to stay an extra week stuck in a room. Uh, you know, getting room service, like you said, with the green bottles, lots of sun. Uh, not the best for the beer situation. So. Uh, like I said, very happy to be back. Uh, this is a wonderful pale ale. I, you know, and we talked about the Browns. Uh, pale ales, too. I, I, you know, I, I just think it's a great style. You know, A lot of the things we do through Unboxed, we're talking to people that may not have had beer styles. And, and I think the pale ale is like that communal beer that brings people together. The, the hop heads, the non-hop heads, we all come together. We, we have a little bit of something for everybody in these. So. A little bit more about this beer. So the Naked Pig Pale Ale clocks in at 6% ABV. It's got 43 IBUs. Some hops that they use are Columbus and Cascade. Cascade is that famous hop that kind of started it all. Sierra Nevada really made that hop famous. It, it became a thing back in the 1960s. And that hop is just so beautiful. It's really, it's really the hop that people credit the craft beer boom with. The malts they use, they're using two-row Munich malt. Okay, there we go. One of my favorite malts. And they're doing a five hop edition and German malts are kind of like this perfect balance. This beer finishes really clean. It's kind of dry and it's a little bitter. And I would say the mouthfeel on this one is a like sort of like a light to medium body with a strong carbonation bite. Yeah, you definitely get that bubbling for sure. Yeah, it's got a little bit of an aroma of just kind of like piney and citrusy. But uh, while you guys enjoy this beer, I'm going to share a couple facts about Birmingham with you and some fun things to do, which is like kind of my new little segment, Molly's Fun Things to Do. It's not hard for me to find fun things to do, but I want you guys to find fun things to do when you go to these cities. So If you're a motorcycle enthusiast, you're going to love this. There's a motorcycle museum called the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. This museum has 750 vintage and modern motorcycles displayed on the walls, two-tiered platforms, and just about anywhere you look. That's awesome. Not much of a motorcycle person, but I I am a big history buff. And I know that they have the the Civil Rights Institute down there, which is a really historic museum, traces the journey of a lot of civil rights advocates all the way through the 1950s, the 60s. I mean, people that really changed the course of American history. So, you know, beer history, uh, you got me sold right there. Uh, And, you know, definitely would do the motorcycles as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm scared of everything, so I don't want to go on a motorcycle. Yeah, Yeah, they're fun to look at. (laughs) Yeah, they are. But let's learn a little bit more about Back 40 Beer Co. So in 2008, founder Jason Wilson had a goal to expose Southerners to the same craft beer culture that Wilson had been a part of for the last 10 years before he left the corporate world. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and Jason actually reached out to a really well-known brewmaster, Jamie Ray, and asked for his help in creating some recipes. They ended up connecting, and uh, Jamie actually became the first employee of Back 40 back in 2009. Yeah, love that. All right. I am curious about this Truck Stop Honey Brown Ale. Want to go ahead and open this one, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. Let's give the people what they want. I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I like this can art here. It's just like really simple. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it looks, like you said, very simple, very craft. Uh, I, I like the 24 hours uh, concept there. That's really cool. I love it. Yeah. Draws you in. Oh, man, you can smell that honey already. I love that. I love when you can smell a beer as soon as you pour it. Me too. It gets you excited. Oh, yeah. I'm anyone who knows me knows I'm a dark beer fan. Anything dark. Yeah, if that doesn't you get do kind of get that honey, don't you, Tim? Right. You absolutely do. I mean, like you said, look how pretty. Oh, man. Cheers, guys. Cheers. This oh, that's beer. a dark beer. I love it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, Ooh. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like you said about dark beer, I mean, this is the time of year, and I always like to say, uh, you know, the, the, as the weather gets colder, my beers get darker. So this is definitely, definitely the time for that. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those great things. And this just has a great color to it. You really get that honey taste. I, I love that smell. Oh yeah. And you know, it looks darker in the camera, but when mm -hmm. I hold this beer up to the light, it's got this beautiful brown color to it. That's almost a lighter brown. It's almost got like a tinge of amber. And I can see that carbonation just floating right up to the top. Beautiful nucleation dissipates kind of quickly, but you yeah. get that honey right on the nose. So this beer is clocking in at 6% ABV, only 14 IBUs. The hops they're using are Apollo and Willamette. The malts are honey, crystal, chocolate, and Turo. Love that uh, chocolate malt. I wonder if they're using that just kind of for the color there. Because sometimes chocolate malt, you know, it sounds like it's going to add chocolate flavor. But a lot of time, it's just adding that beautiful dark color. And the truck stop honey, it's like this nice medium-bodied English brown ale brewed with Alabama wildflower honey. So they really went local with this. Roasted malts fresh hops, the balance of the sweet wildflower honey and earthy hop aromas come through in, in every batch of this beer. I mean, I had it when I was there. I'm having it now. Yeah. Two of my favorite beers to pair with foods are brown ales and amber ales. Anything a little more malty, I feel like goes so, so well. Let's welcome on our guest this evening, Brad Wilson, the co-owner and director of sales and marketing at Back 40. Brad, how are you? Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? Hey, man. We're good. How are you? I'm so happy. I can't hardly stand it. Thanks, everybody, for joining tonight. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We've been so pumped because uh, our buddy David Karn last week really pumped you guys up. So he was teasing us drinking Naked Pig and talking about this brown ale. So we're, we're so happy to talk to you, Brad. So one thing I always love is to ask our guests their craft beer origin story. So what is yours? Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, how far back you want to go? 
So, um, you know, I was always the kid in, uh, in high school, if we're being honest, that was drinking the funky beer, you know, in Alabama, we have the, we had these really wonky laws, you know, you couldn't have a beer over 6% alcohol when I was growing up. So, uh, that meant 96% of the world's beers were illegal for us. So, um, you know, the beers we could get here, I heard some people talking about Heineken earlier, you know, Heineken was available, Red Stripe you know, um, what we called import beers back then, whether they were imported or not. And Sierra Nevada, you know, you, you mentioned Sierra Nevada, that classic green label, you know, that was, that was available to us and a beer, the only real Southern beer we could get in Alabama was, um, a beta, right. A beta purple haze. So that was a big, big part of it. You know, some of their beers we couldn't get, but we could get purple haze and turbo dog. So, um, you know, that that was my early exposure to craft beer. And then, you know, I went to school at Auburn, a school called Auburn University in Alabama. Um, A lot of people know us by our football team, but uh, we also put some men on the moon uh, and did a few other exciting things. You know, I went to Auburn and a lot of people would take their their summers off at Auburn. I took my winters off and I would winter in a town called Crested Butte, Colorado. Um, which is, they call it Colorado's last great ski town. And that's where I really got immersed in craft beer culture. You know, there was just a burgeoning craft beer scene there in the, in the mid to late nineties. We knew the people that made our beer in that town. And so I just fell in love with knowing where my beer was coming from. You know, uh, it, it was city, every city worth its salt. It was like the butcher, the baker, and the brewer, right? That's that's who you knew. So um, that's kind of my craft beer origin story is having it, uh, having being oppressed, living in the South and under these crazy blue laws, and then getting to Colorado where uh, everyone was free, and I just took full advantage of it. Yeah. Oh God, that's great. I, I, and you know, I'm, I'm from Atlanta. And so I understand wanting to get out of the South and feel a little bit more free. I mean, I lived in New York 12 years. So Brad, I heavily relate to that. And that's really, really cool. And, uh, anyway, no, Jason and I, you know, we were, uh, classic brothers, you know, we fought a lot. Um, we drove our mom crazy when I was living in Colorado being what I believe you call a ski bomb. Uh, Jason came to visit me with about 20 of his fraternity brothers. And there was a a little brew pub in Crested Butte called the Crested Butte Brew Pub. And they were famous, uh, relatively locally famous for two beers. One was called White Buffalo um, Pale Ale and the other was called Red Lady Red Ale. And so um, it was named after one of the peaks there in in, uh, Crested Butte called Red Lady Peak. Jason came to visit me with 20 of his fraternity brothers. They opened my fridge and saw 15 different kinds of beer, five of which I'd made myself. And they were like, what is this stuff, man? You know, um, and I said, it's beer. And they said, no, beer's Bud Light. You know, it comes in a keg. We drink it at the fraternity house. And I said, not out here. It's not, you know, we know the people that make our beer. And so I took them out to the local brew pub and uh, Jason drank a Red Lady Ale that was about an hour out of the conditioning tank. Um, and his eyes started bouncing in his head like that. And, and he said, man, this is the best beer I've ever tasted in my life. And I said, I told you, I told you there's more, um, there's more to beer than what we were raised on. And so we went on a brewery tour. My buddy was the, was the brewmaster there at the brewery. And that ended up being the first of 258 brewery tours that Jason and I went on over the next year, just kind of figuring out how to, how to make a business out of this passion 
for craft beer that we both developed. And uh, I remember when I got the phone call, they were driving back from from Colorado back to Auburn and they made it to Oklahoma city when they called me and said, Hey man, you know, why doesn't this exist in Alabama? Why don't we have breweries? Because there were no breweries in Alabama at the time. And uh, we talked through the laws. I said, you know, the laws are draconian. You can't brew beer over 6% alcohol. Tap rooms were illegal. You couldn't, um, there were weird container size restrictions. You couldn't have a beer over 16 ounces. Um, Growlers were a no, no. You couldn't sell beer directly to the public. And it was just kind of designed to fail. And so um, my brother, being the entrepreneur that he is, he said, well, move home, man. We're going to change those laws. And that's what we did, you know. Hell yeah. I mean, I know. There's so many laws that are just designed to keep creativity down, especially I feel like in the South, there's a lot of confining things. I mean, I could do a whole nother podcast on that, but sure. uh, Tell me about the free the hops movement. Yeah, that's a a good segue into free the hops. So, you know, like a lot of Southern states, I think South Carolina was one of the first states to, to do it. And then Georgia followed suit not long after, but this, this grassroots movement grew up among the people. Um, kind of demanding their freedom, you know, and, and free the hops was, was that consumer advocacy arm of that movement. They were the folks that um, just blew up the phone tree for the senators for, for these bills we were introducing to the legislature. And so we went, you know, Montgomery's the capital of Alabama. And so we learned the hard way that you don't go change things in Montgomery just because you're right. You know, you have to, uh, you have to play the game. And you have to, you know, make the deals and and find out who the players are. And so we went down there and we met with um, our distributors. You know, the distributors in Alabama carried a lot of weight as well. They should have because they were the only Alabama businesses, Alabama family owned businesses with a seat at the table. And so um, they were we had to convince them that this was going to be a good thing for them. Right. You know, craft beer had tried to make a, a push in Alabama in the really early, late 80s, early 90s. And it just they put their foot on it and said, no, we're not we're not ready for that. Um, but we convinced them that it was going to be a good thing for them and that it was going to be a good thing for Alabama. You know, I, I read a statistic once that said um, one a job at a brewery, one job at a brewery equals 500 other jobs in related industries, whether that be bartending, whether that be farming, um, you know, at the distributor level, whatever. And so we just packaged these bills that way and said, these are jobs bills, you know, in Alabama, for better or worse, alcohol bills are dead on arrival, right? You come to the legislature with something packaged as an alcohol bill. It's just, it's not going to pass. And so we said, these aren't alcohol bills. These are jobs bills. And so um, Free the Hops, um, to bring it back to Free the Hops, they were amazing. You know, it was just a core grassroots group of craft beer enthusiasts that were willing to spend their extra time and their free time and vote with their wallets and really activate the um, communication apparatus to get the legislatures fired up about these bills. So they were calling their senators, senators, they were calling their local representatives, they were pinging the governor saying, you know, let us let us free these hops, you know, let us raise this alcohol limit. Let us um, buy beer directly from the brewery. Let us go, you know, let us have this um, this culture that that all these other neighboring states have. 
So that's free. The hops was an integral part of doing that. And they still are, you know, free. The hops still puts on beer festivals. The three biggest beer festivals in Alabama are all hosted by free. The hops. Let's take a beer break. All this talk about the legalization of homebrewing in Alabama got me wanting to research this subject just a little bit more. So homebrewing was actually banned since the beginning of Prohibition in 1920. It wasn't until President Jimmy Carter legalized it in 1978 that allowed people to actually brew at home without the fear of being arrested. And a lot of people wonder, why does it take so long for these laws to be passed? Well, there's not any concrete reason except for the fact that lawmakers have other stuff that they might consider top priority, such as making new laws. So getting someone to brew beer at home is not really at the top of their list. So some states still highly regulate home brewing. For example, Tennessee, where I live, and Mississippi will not let you homebrew anything that is 10% ABV or more. West Virginia, the ABV cutoff is 12%. Washington, D.C., the ABV cutoff is 14%. So it looks like we just need to keep going further north to get a higher ABV, possibly. And in many states, you can brew up to 200 gallons of homebrew a year if two adults live on the premise and only 100 if you're single. Connecticut allows for 100 gallons for a two-person household and 50 gallons for a one-person household. I don't know about you, but all of these numbers are making me a little confused. I say just let people homebrew and don't worry about it. Anyway, let's get back to the episode and hear what Brad has to say. And, you know, Brad, we were talking earlier today and, you know, my family, they all live in Birmingham. My mom just bought a home there. She's in Hoover. Mm -hmm. My brother, Alan, and his wife, Brittany, they're also in Hoover, a five minute drive away. So when I went to go visit the breweries in Alabama, it was a big deal to me because I got to I got to brewery hop with my brother, with my big brother. Yeah, it was great. Him and I haven't had a day like that in forever. It was so fun. It was really, really great. I loved it. And yeah, the burger was amazing. And I know your chef there has worked at Michelin star restaurants in New York. Yeah, I I mean, that's incredible. You like I don't know of another brewery in Alabama where you can say our chef has worked at Michelin star places in New York City. That is a brag moment. You should take a moment to brag about that. Also, I just want to hear a little bit more about this beer that we are enjoying right now. The first one, the Naked Pig. So, you know, this is an amazing beer. Can you tell us a little bit more about this one? Sure, sure. So Naked Pig, let's go back to Sierra Nevada, right? So when Jason and I were growing up in Alabama, the most reliable and consistent beer you could get was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, right? Well, so when we went to the drawing board to make our first beer as, you know, Alabama's oldest brewery, I'd be lying if I said we weren't incredibly influenced by Sierra Nevada, you know, that's um, that, that cascade note, you know, that that cascade hop note that just screams American pale ale. You know, that was the heart of Naked Pig. And so we were working on different test batches. I remember, you know, Jason and I had been playing around making our own beer. And then I heard you guys mention the great Jamie Ray earlier. Uh, Jamie Ray was our first brewmaster at Back 40, and he is the godfather of brewing in Alabama. 
you know, before it was legal, right? Because homebrewing was illegal in Alabama uh, at the time. Until 2013, it was still illegal. So Jamie's out there like a mad scientist. He's just a diamond in the rough, man. He's won every beer judging competition that known to man, whether it be um, at the Great American Beer Festival or at the World Beer, uh, the World Beer Cup. Um, he's won camera um, medals, you know, the real ill, um, guys over in, um, in England that are keeping real ill alive. So he's just an incredible brewer. So Jason and I made these early test batches of naked pig of, of, um, pale ale and sent them to Jamie and we sent him six bottles and asked him what he thought about it. And he sent us back five and three quarters bottle and said, it's horrible, but I can fix it. Um, <laughs> and, and that's what he did. You know, he took this idea we had of, um, of a classic American pale ale and he took it, took it to the next level. And I remember the first time we tasted it, we said, yeah, that's, that's good enough to start a brewery in Alabama. And so naked pig is the oldest packaged beer in Alabama. Um, uh, it's the oldest continuously packaged beer in Alabama. So, uh, thank y'all for, for bringing it up on the pod and, and putting it out there in those boxes. We're really proud of Naked Pig. I'll put it to you this way. It's about, um, eight o'clock here in Alabama. If you go to the brewery right now, we've got 20 something employees working there. 18 of them are drinking Naked Pig right now. Um, that's just the beer that everyone drinks at the brewery. It's the shift beer. It's the after work beer. It's reliable. It tastes good. And it pairs great with food. You know, we do uh, food pairings on every can of beer that we do. So if you pick up the naked pig, you can see the three icons on the side of the beer there. Yeah, those are recommended food pairings. So whether it's with, you know, a salty, heavy meat, some rich, cheesy pizza or uh, poultry. It's a beer that goes great with just about any meal. Oh, man, Brad, that is so cool. And I'm just going to repeat that. Naked Pig is the longest continually packaged beer in Alabama. How cool is that? And I know the truck stop honey that we're drinking was awarded a silver medal at the Great American Beer Festival. That is so cool. You really are someone who is making history in Alabama. And I know uh, Tim has some questions for you, too, now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, Brad, I know you have two locations. Is there a difference between the two or kind of like a vibe people can expect when they go to each one? Yeah, absolutely. So the mothership, what we call the motherships in a town called Gadsden, Alabama, which is Jason and I's hometown. It's a much smaller town, you know, in northeast Alabama. It's the foothills of the Appalachians. It's gorgeous outside. You know, there's a river that runs right through the middle of the town called the Coosa River, which the early settlers in the south, they called it the gateway to the south. Right. The Coosa was kind of the way that all the French, and the Spanish explorers discovered the South and uh, traveled right up the Coosa when he was, uh, if you want to go that early. But um, Gadsden's a, a, a small blue collar town. You know, when we when we opened back 40 in Gadsden, there were uh, downtown was maybe 60 percent occupied. Now it's 99 percent occupied. Um, if there's a if there's a storefront that's empty in downtown Gadsden, they're just um, there's something going in there. They're just building it and it's not open yet. But, you know, like a lot of small towns, um, people are moving back from the suburbs back to the heart of town. And I think the brewery was a big part of, of bringing that back. It's more of a we 
we patterned back 40 Gadsden after uh, traditional like English pubs, like the true idea of a public house. You know, back 40 Gadsden is in an old 1940s Sears and Roebuck warehouse, right? If you ordered something out of the Sears catalog in the 20s and 30s and it broke, it got sent to um, what is now back 40 Gadsden, right? And there's trains running on either side of back 40 Gadsden. It's in an old historic building. Really, really cool spot. No, and then so we took everything we learned at Back 40 Gadsden and um, applied that to our new brew pub concept, which is Back 40 Birmingham. Right. So uh, there's two laws you can get in Alabama, uh, two licenses you can get in Alabama. You can be a manufacturing brewery, which means that you make beer for distribution. Right. Um, so 90 percent of the beer that we make it back for Gadsden goes out the door and it goes into um, bars and restaurants and grocery stores. Right. We sell that beer to our distributor. Um, the exact opposite is true at Back 40 Birmingham. Back 40 Birmingham is a traditional brew pub license, which is the second license you can get in Alabama, which is more of a modified retail license, which means you can, if you would like, sell other people's beer. You can sell whiskey, you can sell wine. And um, so that's Back 40 Birmingham. Back 40 Birmingham is a, obviously in a much larger population center. You know, there's about 4 million people in the state of Alabama. 2 million of those live in Birmingham. So big, big city, right? And also, uh, you know, Birmingham's kind of a culinary destination, believe it or not. Um, there's a there's a big culinary movement in Birmingham. People are flying in from from a lot of other places to eat at restaurants. Back 40 Birmingham is extremely food focused um, with really good beer. And honestly, when, you know, I mean, I, I'm a New Yorker of 12 years. So I, you know, I don't like to use the word snob just because I have standards, Sure. but I'm used to really good food and good drinks. When I took this job with Bruvana, I was kind of like, okay, I'm not going to bad places. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's going to be hard for me to lie and say like, yeah. oh, I like this when I don't like right. you're hiring kind of a snobby New Yorker, right? Like <laughs> have a lot of standards and I'm not going to just drink mediocre beer and just eat bar food. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I don't want to do that. And I've been yeah, so yeah. lucky. All the cities and all the places we visited on Bruce That's Less so Travel, cool. so, so good. I mean, it's been such a beer education for me. But yeah, I had a great time at Back 40. I mean, I really was. The snobby New Yorker was silenced. Back 40 Birmingham's right across the street from a national historic landmark called Sloss Furnace. Right. And so what built, they call Birmingham the magic city. Right. Well, what made Birmingham the magic city was the steel industry. Right. Almost overnight, the mountains surrounding um, Birmingham are filled with iron ore. Um, and so you got this big statue of Vulcan, you know, the great god of uh, iron sitting over over the town. And it's it's a um, reminder of what built that city, which is the, the steel industry. And you want to talk about a cool concert experience for those of you that are thinking about doing some beer tourism. Um, go see a show at Sauce Furnace. But yeah, if you if you guys are interested in beer tourism, come to Birmingham, go to Sauce Furnace, see a concert and come check out back. Man, that's so cool. I know, uh, Brad, you mentioned you you love the band Fish. And so you're obviously a music lover. And, and so am I. I used to work in the music industry. I lived in Nashville for a couple of years and I worked in the music industry for a while. And yeah, Birmingham gets all the good bands. Chattanooga, yeah. they kind of miss us. They go to 
Birmingham, they go to Nashville, they sort of miss Chattanooga. So, right. and then I noticed it because I check all my favorite bands that I love. I always check their tour schedules. They're always hitting up Birmingham. Yep, it's on the map. It's on the map. There's a couple of really big venues there that that uh, keep the acts. Yeah, I know Avondale, we're going to be featuring them in the next couple of weeks. They have a great spot, pumped to talk about them. But uh, mm-hmm. Brad, I am curious, what is your ideal day off in Birmingham? Oh, wow. A day off in Birmingham. Well, I've already said it, but food, man. You know, food. I call Birmingham the, the town of 10,000 lunches. Right. You can uh, you can eat any um, any food that you want to in Birmingham. So if I take take a day off in Birmingham, it's going to start at places like the Essential, which is down on Morris Avenue. It's a uh, it's a cool um, kind of higher end breakfast spot. Um, and there's there's several spots um, like it, but it's local farm to table food, you know, farm to table food served in a breakfast spot. And they've got, they sell our Bamamosa beer there too, which is a brute style that we do with, um, Valencia orange juice. So, um, that's another back 40 beer we do called Bamamosa. And uh, I don't want to leave anybody out. So our friends at big bad breakfast are also an amazing spot, but yeah, that's, that's what I would do. And then I would probably bounce over, um, from there to uh, the Botanical Gardens, which are in a beautiful town called Mountain Brook, Alabama. Um, I, I did a speaking thing at the Botanical Gardens called Arc Stories. And so I'd probably go take in an Arc Stories. Um, Arc Stories is a cool thing put on by Alabama Public Radio, where local uh, storytellers come up and they tell stories live in the Botanical Gardens. Um, and, you know, we have a tradition in the South of really good storytelling. And then, you know, if I'm off, it's probably a Saturday. So I'm going to go watch a football game at the brand new protective stadium in downtown Birmingham. And I would probably end the day at down. There's a there's two historic theaters in downtown Birmingham. One is um, kind of famous. It's called the Alabama Theater. And right across the street is the Lyric, which Mm -hmm. is an old 1920s theater that they've completely restored and it is in pristine um, immaculate condition and so i would probably take in a movie at the alabama theater and then uh let's just we talked about live music a concert by my favorite musician from muscle shoals alabama uh, a guy named jason isbell i was hoping you were gonna say him <laughs> i'm a huge jason fan i've been to the alabama theater yeah i went there when i was in high school I'm a huge drive-by truckers fan. I I saw Keller Williams there a long time ago in, in, in high school. And Jason played his first sober show at Back 40 Beer Company in Gadsden. Um, yeah. Yep. Is that, I'll tell you one quick funny story, and I hope this doesn't get out to him, but we'll see what happens. No, this, <laughs> so, is so, this is so cool, man. I'm loving this. So um, on the rider. You know, um, the rider is what they send that they want in the green room, right? And so on all drive-by truckers riders, and Jason was newly separated from the truckers, so still on his rider, it said um, that they would require one bottle of Jack Daniels, right? Mm-hmm. And this was a stage prop and also for consumption <laughs> before, during, and after the show. So I got a call from Jason's manager saying, uh, her name's Tracy. She said, uh, there's been a slight change to the rider. 
Um, we don't, we don't want Jason to be around alcohol, you know, because he's newly sober. And I said, well, Tracy, it's a brewery. And she said, oh no, I forgot. <laughs> and, and, then, and then we laughed about it and she said, ah, it'll be okay. And it, and it was okay. Um, but Jason and I got to sit down and have a long conversation about life and about lyrics and about how it's up to us as Southerners to kind of keep the tradition of the people that he talks about in his songs alive. Because listening to Jason Isbell songs is like listening to my grandfather talk. You know, Southern people don't mind eating an $80 steak. They just want to eat it with their blue jeans on. You know, they just don't want the pretension that comes with a lot of stuff. As we wrap up here, it is time for our rapid fire questions. Brad, your goal is to not think, just answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Multi beers or hop forward styles? Oh, multi beers. Multi beers. Yeah. I think the hops arm race is leaving us, which I'm okay with. Agreed. Yeah, and I know you talked about the camera a little bit, but what's your thought on Cascales, yay or nay? Yay, yay, all the way. I think we can learn a lot from doing things the right traditional way. And, um, you know, you can hide behind these modern techniques we have. You can hide um, poor brewing practices behind some some modern accoutrements. And I think that the more we get back to our roots, the better we're going to be as brewers. Beautifully said. Beer you're most looking forward to drinking this winter. I would be lying if it I didn't say it was peanut butter porter, right? So <laughs> every, every year we uh, we close out the year with um, a lot of people's favorite beer that we produce, which is called peanut butter porter. And a peanut butter porter or peanut butter stout is my favorite beer style. Peanuts are such a part of, of Alabama in general, whether it's George Washington Carver, you know, who was from Tuskegee and Auburn. I know, Brad, you talked about, uh, and obviously you have it on the can, so you're thinking about food when you're making beer. But uh, for you as the individual, and I know you said you're a foodie, what's the favorite food and beer pairing for you? Oh, man. You know, well, um, I'm going to I'm going to belie my location right now. I am in what should be still part of Alabama, but I am in a little part of Florida called 38, um, which is like the the kind of seaside Blue Mountain Beach area. We're down here on a on a company sales retreat. So um, seafood, man, I love pairing beer with seafood. So um I would say something like a really light trigger fish uh, dish, a Parmesan risotto with trigger fish, and then um, something light like a Saison or uh, a farmhouse ale of some sort. I love that. I love I love seafood and beer. That to me, the lightness um, uh, with that delicate sweetness is about the height of our craft, you know. Yeah. Oh, and I love that. You don't hear that a lot. And I'm also curious, what is your favorite Thanksgiving beer? Oh, wow. The favorite Thanksgiving beer. Well, I've already said peanut butter porter, so I can't say that again. But how about I do this? The beer I'm most thankful for in the world is a beer by a company called Russian River. Um, Russian River is out of uh, Santa Rosa, um, California. And uh, Vinny, their brewer, was a huge help to us when we were getting started. And he has a background in the wine world, right, in the champagne world. And he made a beer called Supplication. 
And what supplication is, well, first let's talk about what supplication means. Supplication means to humbly wait. And so this beer is a brown ale, much like truck stop honey. It's a, it's a brown ale aged over wild cherries in Pinot Noir barrels. So it kind of combines all of these influences that Vinny has. So he takes the brown ale and um, he puts it in these uh, Pinot Noir barrels and then puts wild cherries in there. And then the natural Brettomyces yeast that's that's on the wild cherries it undergoes secondary fermentation, right, and sours the beer. And then they inoculate it with uh, PDO and lacto. So it's got bacteria. It's... Um, and then they cork it, right? And then he waits a minimum of 18 months. He humbly waits 18 months. And then he tastes the beer. And if the beer's ready, he listens to the beer. And if the beer's ready, he harvests it and packages it. If it's not ready, he puts the bung back in and waits humbly until it is ready. And to me, that side of, of uh, brewing, that kind of lambic influence, because we can't make lambics here in the U.S., right? It's a, a geographic term, right? But we can make spontaneously fermented uh, wild ales. And that's what supplication is, right? To me, that's the height of our craft. Um just the way it kind of cloys the palate and has that, that oiliness that just coats your tongue. I just, I'm very grateful for that beer. And if I could have any beer for Thanksgiving right now, it would be a supplication. Brad, it has been a pleasure having you. Is there anything you want to plug? Um, you know, back 40, man, the back, the back 40 name comes from an old agricultural term. Um, it's the 40 acres of the farm furthest away from where you are. But people told us, you know, that Alabama and the Deep South in particular was the back 40 of craft beer. You know, it's not worth your time. That's overgrown territory. It's not um, it's not worth the work. But the reality of the back 40 acres of the farm is if you ever do the work, if you ever go clear the tractors off and till the soil and get all the rocks out, it yields the best crops you'll ever get of any of the land on the farm because it's rich in nutrients and it hadn't been stripped of its um of its bounty you know and so that's true for the deep south too you know this is very fertile soil for food for beer and for culture so if you've never been to the south you know come down here come visit us come see us um come to back 40 uh let me know that you're coming my email address is brad at the website brad at back 40 beer.com uh we'll style you out we'll show you a good time we'll feed you you know, I just want to plug, you know, local beer. If you can't make it to our brewery, go support your own local brewery. Man, Brad, why have I just felt so emotional in this podcast with you? Like talking about Jason Isbell and just like you Thank have you been all. one of the best guests I have ever spoken to. I, I, you know, I rarely go over time. You have been compelling and interesting and passionate. And you have one of the best breweries in Alabama. And Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Thank you to my wonderful co-host, Tim. Be sure to tune in next week as we chat with Ralph Marion, the manager at Hop City Beers Birmingham location. We're going to be drinking two beers from Avingdale Brewing Company, the Spring Street and the Sour Pash Beer. I am so excited for these. Both of these places were completely awesome. Cheers, guys. Thank you.
Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club, and this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep, plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at Molly underscore Brews Less Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers.